Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. announcer man but the matchups uh, starting this afternoon i think uh, let's check the schedule here forget about this afternoon this morning 11 15 march madness officially begins ladies and gentlemen we had a couple of good a couple of great play-in games but i think for most people the madness officially begins today thursday 11 15 murray state in colorado state kicking off the racer versus the ram the next three weeks of March Madness all kicked off at 11.15 today. It's a beautiful thing. Big Dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. We'll recap the uh, little public appearance at the playbook last night. And, of course, the big win for the Chicago Bulls. Huge win as the Bulls play awesome without Derrick Rose. Knock off the Miami Heat. All that and mucho, mucho more here on the Two Guys at a Mike Show, TalkZone.com. A little bit of music, and we will introduce our semi-esteemed and hopefully semi-sober guest. Mr. Redwanski. Oh, goodness, David, I'm not sure, but I think if they checked Joel's blood alcohol level right now, at least 2.8% of it would come out as Corona. The big dog, Joel Redwanski, checking in from his telecommunicative phone lines in the north side of Chicago. Big dog, how are you? Great job last night, by the way. Uh, I'm doing absolutely fantastic, Coach. If I would have known that the beer was going to be free, you know, besides that tipping part, I would have drank a little more. Uh, stop it. You did You did plenty well yourself. Thank you very much. I like the bucket concept, though. I was not familiar with that. David, you know, I haven't been out and about, so I was not familiar with the concept of the bucket. In my day, the bucket of beer was literally a silver bucket filled with beer. You drank from it. It was very, very good. But this was like a huge bucket with five Coronas, each with their own individually sliced lime, all iced down in the bucket. It was a beautiful thing and brought to us by the beautiful and lovely, was it Dasha, Big Dog? It was Dasha. Awfully was good. Dasha. Dasha. Because I said it that way. She's like, oh, excellent pronunciation. I'm like, yes, you're not the first Russian girl I've ever met. She, did a, <laughs> she, she was an excellent waitress, except for the times that we ran out of beer. And I was like, where's Dasha? She well, was, luckily for us. She wasn't really quick at getting yes. the beer back to us. Otherwise, we'd have been in a lot of trouble last I, night. But. I was just going to point that out. That might have been strategic. The owner of the bar, the general manager is the guy who hired us, uh, you know, Dorian and Lucas, probably told her don't come over to that table too much because we did just fine as it was. Thank you very much. We were doing all right is the best yep. way for me to put it. Yeah. Yeah. want to thank, we'll, uh, by the way, want to thank Rolling Meadows Jim, baseball fan Jim. Uh, for helping us out. He's become our unofficial general manager or our front man, but uh, he did a great job, and I also uh, got to meet one of our top fans and one of your top fans, Lily the Lilac, making an appearance. Oh, Lily the Lilac coming out. So, Coach, you can obviously see yes. I've done extremely well for myself in the terms of girlfriend. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I, I did all right, Coach. Is the best way for me to explain it. Not only beautiful young lady, but as absolutely as sweet as can possibly be, what she sees in you might be the only character flaw I see in her. Otherwise, besides the fact that she's attracted to you, 
I can't find anything wrong with her. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Like, I could, how could I possibly ever date a girl that'd be willing to date me? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a very strange situation that I have going on. It's like the classic Groucho Marx line, right? I, ref, I refuse to join any club that would have me as a member. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, goodness. So what a game we got to see. The bar was packed, by the oh, way. Great wow. job at the playbook and Niles. Awesome. But fans were totally i haven't been to a sports bar for a big game in a long time big dog you probably have but i got a, a great kick not only are the bulls winning but the crowd reaction to the bulls performance yeah obviously it has not it's been a long time since you actually have been out and about for the simple fact that you <laughs> thought a bucket of beer that, that they actually poured beer into a bucket and brought it to the table and you were like why are you getting a bucket of beer i'm like because corona is a lot better than MGD, and you were like, I don't think it's a really good idea. And then all of a sudden they dropped the bucket down. <laughs> David Olsen, I just want to let you know, probably one of the most innocent, naive, cute, and dumb things that I've ever heard came out of Coach's mouth after that. Because after he looked, he's like, wow, that's cool. Do we get to keep the bucket? <laughs> you asked if we got to keep the bucket. They brought well, the again, to the table and I'm going back to my early bucket drinking days. And then back then, yes, indeed, we in fact – Got to keep the bucket. It was part of the. It was not part of. It was really the only furniture decorations that we had in our uh, particular bachelor apartment back in the college days. No, no, were, were those metal buckets? Yeah, they were very cool. That was before they invented plastic, right? You yes. hadn't come up with that yet. But the beer, absolutely. But the beer always tasted. I don't know. I don't know why, but it just the beer tasted good coming off the aluminum bucket. I, I'm with you. I understand. So the. It's been a while since I actually drank beer out of a bucket, but it's, I'm not that far removed from it, as you can probably tell from yesterday. <laughs> oh, by the way, did you find your wallet? Oh, uh, by the way, that was one of the most interesting things. I had my, What happened was, you know, I was, like, so flustered when this woman was trying to tell me the card's going to go through later. I'm like, well, you just ran it. Well, it'll go through. So after, like, talking to this woman for 10 minutes while you were waiting for me outside, I happened to leave my wallet there, which wasn't that big of a deal. All I had, I didn't have my, uh, any money in it, but I had, I had just bought a $61 train card that I used one time. And I'm like, seriously, I just threw $57 down the drain. You know, and I was like all depressed. And when I went, right when I walked in the door, like the, the bartender was like, Joel, and ran up and gave it to me. Excellent. I'm glad I tipped well. Excellent. So you went back to the place you were at and they in fact held onto your wallet. Yeah, they did. Beautiful. They did. Beautiful. And I think the woman understood what had happened because I was sitting there. Mm-hmm. She was trying to explain to me for two minutes, you know. Excellent. Oh, it'll go I, through later. I, so. I will tell you, there, there's very few feelings as sinking outside of the obvious health problems or, you know, family situations, but as losing your wallet. It's just such a, the best way I can describe it, deep sinking feeling. Everybody, I think, knows what I'm talking about. If it's a woman, uh-huh. you lose your per. And then there are very few greater feelings, more uplifting feelings. Then when you find the wallet and you realize that all the trouble you would have had to go into, you uh-huh. don't have to go. So it must have been a great feeling when uh, when they greeted you with open arms and more than open arms, they greeted you with your wallet. Yeah, and, and I had, for an odd reason, I had my Social Security card in there with my uh, ID. Yeah. And I'm like, what a combination to have. Someone's going to find all of my information. Could go out and start an account. Luckily for me, that my credit's so bad they won't even. Be, they'd have to actually put money on a card in order to get a credit card. So, wasn't so your phone number in there? there? Couldn't they have called you? Uh, no, I don't have my phone number on there. So, right. yeah. 
All right. We got to get you some business cards, but uh, very good. So happy endings last night. Yes, for everyone. It was an excellent night. Yeah, beautiful. And again, I want to thank Dory and Lucas, all the fine folks at the Playbook, everybody that came out full house last night in Big Dog. They were totally into the Bulls game, and the Bulls gave them a good performance. You talk about NBA basketball sometimes being, you know, regular season games being kind of slow and bore. This was uh, this, this was almost like a college game, up and down the court, great defensive plays, block shots, and had a good pace to it, unlike many other NBA games. Oh, I'm going to even credit the Heat for the defense they played yep. yesterday. I know it was 106-102, and that sounds like a high-scoring game, especially for the Bulls. But it, the defense was there. I could care less what the final score was. That I mean, it, every shot was contested. It was diff- I mean, that was one heck of a game. And watch it as a Bulls fan. A couple days earlier, when the Bulls were playing without everybody but Derrick Rose, you know, I mentioned to my the guys that were at the house, hey, it doesn't matter. The Bulls are at home. They need to win this game. If they're as good as we think they are, they need to win this game no matter who they're playing. Well, mm-hmm. they're playing without Derrick Rose, so... I, I felt like this. I, I didn't want to say it last night because I wanted to have portray the image of, hey, no matter it's today's cake. If we lose without Derrick Rose, it's okay. So you didn't have Derrick Rose. If we win with them, it's nothing but hey, we won. To be honest with you, the way I felt was, hey, the Bulls are at home and they needed to win that game no matter who was out, and they got it done yesterday, Coach. That's the biggest win of the season so far was beating the Heat without Derrick Rose last night. Yeah, I agree with you. With Derrick Rose, you know. Uh... You want to win. It's a rivalry game, but in the big picture, doesn't mean that much. It's going to come down to the playoffs, anyways. We hope, yeah. hopefully, you know yeah. the Bulls get to that point. But you take your star player off the court, and you still find a way to beat that team. That's a little bit of a different story. There's a, I'm not going to over exaggerate it, but there is a psychological advantage now or disadvantage for the Heat, knowing that this Bulls team, man, we lost to the Bulls, and they didn't even have their best player. That hurts a little yeah. bit. And when we beat them, they didn't have Luol Deng. You know, so the Bulls have not shown the Heat so far this year what a what a full roster looks like when they're playing. You know, I don't know if Rip Hamilton's ever going to be a part of this club as far as I'm concerned. If you're a Bulls fan, just write him off. And if he ends up coming back, hey, hey, we, we can get a guy that can maybe, you know, put in 10 points tonight as a, as a mm-hmm. shooter. But don't expect that. So it's, it's right now... After I've watched every Bulls game this year, and to be honest with you, yesterday was like the least am- amount of attention that I think I've actually put towards the game. You know what I mean? Because we're just going around doing so much last night as a playbook coach. Mm-hmm. You know, I've watched all the teams that they played this year, and to be the only team that I could really see that they played so far because I haven't seen them play the Thunder is the, the Heat is the only one that I can imagine giving them a playoff series that, I mean, if they play like the Pacers or the Sixers, every game will be contested. They're not going to blow them off the court. But they'll beat those teams in, in, in four or five games. The Heat, I think, are the only team that can take them. I'm not, not quite as confident as you. I still think the New York Knicks, so with their talent level, they could pull things together. Indiana and, Pacers. Uh, and, who knows, and with a new coach, you know, that could totally transform that team. They could either be the like the – the team with a bullet in the NBA or the team with a bullet in their head? You know, that's what we're waiting for. Is there, have they announced mm-hmm. who's taking over for the next coach? Well, Mike Woodson is the interim coach. I, I'm assuming he'll take over for the rest of the year. Former uh, Indiana standout, Mike Woodson? Absolutely. Former head coach of the Atlanta Hawk, former mm-hmm. all-Afro team member in the uh, Indiana days. 
Yes, he was. Yeah, he had a we, was yeah. a big Afros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they, uh, you know, speaking of the advantage of having a different voice, the Knicks play yesterday with a different quote unquote voice leading the team, and they win 121 to 79. They blew out the Trailblazers. It happens a lot when you get a coach replacement. The team gets that adrenaline bump. But I did notice in the box scores, big dog, doing my homework as a true professional. Uh, on rare occasions, I try to act like a true professional. It doesn't happen often, but you know, once in a while. And looked at the Knicks box score. Jeremy Lin under new head coach Mike Woodson. Yes. Four shots. Four shots. It was all about Amari Stoudemire, Carmelo Anthony, and then J.R. Smith came off the bench and put down 25. But the Knicks are pretty talented. Maybe with a new coach, they catch fire. You know, Jeremy Lin taking less shots, I think, is better for the team. And obviously, you know, that's not really going out on a limb as it's what happened lately. But when. When he's a distributed point guard, they could be really, really good. And, and I know he was shooting well early, but he hasn't been shooting that well. And if you're shooting 35% from the field, you should not be taking 20 shots a game. Mm-hmm. That's not good for anybody. Okay, you're not Allen Iverson, who for some reason could, you know, shoot 38% from the field and turn the ball over five times a game and win an MVP award. I mean, like, I, I don't understand that part, but uh, he, he was so efficient early, Coach, and if they get back to that, Carmelo can score. And then Amari Stoudemire can score. they got to figure that out. There's too much talent to, to not win some games. NBA fans, Bulls fans, you watched the game last night. You want to comment on it? We are right here for you, the dog and the coach. And, of course, March Madness. We're going to get into some of the breakdowns and uh, March Madness and bracketeering. We haven't even picked our winners yet, Big Dog. we got to do that before the show ends. So a lot of hoops talk today. Big Dog and the coach with you. Our phone lines our open phone number to contact us is 888-463-6748. Give us a call. Talk some basketball here of the college or NBA variety. Again, it's 888-463-6748. But just to go back to what you said, Big Doug, I'm not as confident as you that it's a foregone conclusion that the Heat and the Bull will be there. They're the favorite, but the Atlanta Hawks are good enough to play tough in a seven-game series. Indiana Pacers can make things pretty tough. The Knicks, I'm not sure about the Celtics, and then I'm missing one other team. But I think, you know, the East? Sixers. The, the Sixers yeah, have even a it, you know. amount of talent. And yes. we don't know what the injury level is going to what, what's going to happen with injuries, because that could play a huge factor. You know, Dwayne Wade rolls his ankle, and all of a sudden, you know, the Heat are a lot worse off. If Derrick Rose yep. has a full groin, you know what I mean? Everybody in the NBA will have a shot to beat the Bulls in a seven-game series, mm-hmm. at least playoff team. You know, By the way, Dave, one of the uh, highlights of last night was Joel explaining to the crowd, as a man who's had experience with the pulled groin, you know, how it happens, how you repair it, and how you play through it. That was one of the personal highlights, at least for me, Big I was taking notes. I, that we worked in a couple last with, with groin yes. talk. Whenever I talked injury... The demonstration part didn't go as well. Well, i got to be quite honest with you, that was a very touching moment for Lily the Lilac and myself. Yeah, that was the moment I think I said, everybody, hold your brackets! Hold your brackets. She said I said something totally different at another night when I was trying to explain groin <laughs> injury. So she said I was not consistent in my terms of groin. Oh, goodness, Which, yes. And by the way, at the end, of, we got, we got to thank our guy Hector. Because uh, after one or two or about eight or nine Coronas, you were uh, rolling at the end of the show when it came time to pick the contestants for the Bulls giveaway. One of the fine gentlemen, of, what would you say, about 22-year-old, 21-year-old kid Hector? Yes, he was definitely above 21. He was at the playbook. Yes, but you uh, you were giving him a hard time, uh, you know, about the legality question and all that. Kidding, of course, but it could have 
been taken the wrong way. I got to throw some kudos out to Hector and his buddies. They were great sports. The crowd got into it, and Hector was uh, personally the highlight of the night. But thank you, Hector, for taking the joke in a good stride. Yeah, Javier was really good, too. Hopefully those guys are listening tonight or uh, today. Those guys were real good. But they were diehard Bulls fans. Yep. You know, it's cool. You go to sports bars, and sometimes you hear some of the stuff yelled out. It's just, like, moronic. You know what I mean? You're like, does that person, is they, are they watching the same game I'm watching? The people yesterday, they were yep. yelling out some pretty intelligent stuff. Yep. The guy that was right behind us, who was the loudest guy in the bar, the stuff he was yelling out was like, like not like, oh, look at that, what a great score. He would, I heard him scream, what a pick by Noah. And I'm, I'm yep. like, Noah just had a pick. And, pick. and this guy is calling out people. Boxing out, I was like, wow, that's one intelligent yeah. fan we have over there. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, when I started talking to Javier and Hector, I'm like, how big a Bulls And I started asking, you know, questions about the Bulls, and they knew all of them. And I'm like, these truly are some diehard, yep. like, Chicago Bulls fans. It definitely was. It was not a Johnny jump on the back of the bandwagon audience out there. These uh-huh. were some hardcore Bulls fans, absolutely. And by the way, the guy sitting next to us that you were talking about, most of what he said we can't repeat on the two guys at a mic show. The language was salty, but uh, you are correct. His basketball knowledge was pretty good. Yeah, let's just put it this way. He's not a big fan of LeBron James and the Miami Heat. We can pretty <laughs> much sum that up. How about that, Coach? <laughs> that would be fair enough. That would be fair enough. But uh, I didn't know that so many dirty words rhyme with LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> Almost well, like the uh, limerick you came up with, which fortunately I interrupted about halfway through. Yeah, why did you interrupt the dirty limerick, Coach? That was... Uh, Whenever you do get a groin injury limerick, people yes. tend to listen. Well, I, best way I can describe it, I was trying to get us invited back. <laughs> I thought if he went fully through with the limerick and the sound system was working, that uh, we might not be invited back. But I probably went too defensive. <laughs> I apologize. But getting back to the, uh, I just want to make this point, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again, Big Dog. Uh, you know, we talk about can we beat the Heat, and some of these other teams are going to challenge us, and that's the. Yeah. Ultimate carrot at the end, but I do want to remind everybody, including myself, first and foremost, enjoy each and every Bulls game because it really is a unique, I'm not saying they're the greatest, but it's a unique and special team in their teamwork and their energy and their enthusiasm. So don't spend too much time worrying about what's down the road. Make sure you enjoy each and every game because it's NBA basketball at its best, the way the Bulls are currently playing. And if you're a coach, you're so right. You're so, it's one of those days that we're gonna we, we've been pretty agreeable today. But you are exactly right. If you're a diehard Bulls fan like the Javiers and the Hectors of the world, <laughs> let's face it. Like it was awesome in the 1990s. And if you're a diehard Chicago fan, the idea of one of our teams with homegrown players not paying for everybody drafted on the Bulls and maybe one or two trades, uh, you know, for the cherry on top, and they win six championships. You're like, this is the greatest thing ever. And then all of a sudden that same team gets pulled apart, and you, we have to deal with 16 and 66 teams. Jalen Rose is our best player. And all of a sudden you get a team. Maybe it doesn't have the talent of the mid-'90s team. I mean, uh, Scotty Pippen and, and Michael Jordan aren't coming through that door. But to watch those 12 guys play their butts off every single day and care about each other, legitimately backups and starters when the other guys are on the court, Rooting for those guys, like legitimately rooting. You're exactly right, Coach. This is a fun team to watch, and as a Bulls fan, we really need to appreciate what we got here because it's this is a really easy team to root for. I love everybody. I, Josh Gibson's a good guy. Everybody's a good guy on the whole entire roster. Mm-hmm. And all like the biggest taking the butt we have is the fact that Carlos Boozer, you know, like kind of plays 
like half asleep sometimes, and he gets eight sixteen mil a year, so it's kind of, it's frustrating. But that's our biggest. That's the only problem on the whole bowl. And how well did Carlos Boozer play last night? How many great passes did he have setting up teammates yesterday? So yep. you're you're exactly right, Coach. If you're a Bulls fan, do not take this team for granted and definitely enjoy the 66-game year. I don't want to go off into the football talk because today is a day dedicated to basketball, March to Madness, but I have to make this comment when you had mentioned you know, the Bulls being good guys. I am amazed. I am amazed with all the uh, discussion yesterday with the Bears picking up Brandon Marshall on how anxious Bears fans are to just win games Irregardless, and I'm not picking on just Brandon Marshall, but there seems to be a pervasive attitude of, hey, I don't care what the other stuff, I don't care what kind of guy he is, if he can, you know, if he can stretch the field and catch a 20 yard pass, if he can help my team win, that's all I care about. I'm surprised people aren't more into the character of players, Big Dub, but maybe that's my naivety going back to the, uh, you know, the uh, buckets of beer at the uh, playbook last night. You know, I've been I've been tweeting a little bit more than normal, Coach, and I've been like following like who says what about which one of my tweets. The first tweet that was ever retweeted by me was one yesterday, and the tweet goes like this: I believe in fourth chances and wide receivers who can stretch the field. It was a joke on being like like I was joking about the fact I don't care what he did if the Bears actually have a a wide rec- a number one wide receiver for the first time, and I, I didn't mean that. In a serious note, if you if you understand what I'm getting at, it was a backhand. Yep. Hey, what, what we better be careful what we're getting in this. Yeah, we have a number one receiver, but are we going to need bail money for the guy? Okay, really. And I'm getting comments. That's awesome. You're exactly right. Who cares what he did? I'm like, no, you missed my point, you idiot. I'm trying to say, watch out. It's happened, you know. And hopefully, this guy mm-hmm. never has another problem again. He comes to Chicago, gets his life together. His wife quits one in her mouth at nightclubs, and he doesn't have to beat up women to defend her. And, and, okay, hopefully, you know. And I wasn't even, again, not even so much specifically on Brandon Marshall. It's just the philosophy that people seem to have now. It's just, you know, all we care about is can the guy help our team. I don't mind rooting for him, even if he's not a good guy. I heard something on the radio yesterday with uh, somebody calling up the uh, White Sox reporter from Arizona or wherever the heck they are, and they were talking about this year and last year, something to the effect that A.J. Persinski, the sometimes volatile and kind of weird personality of the White Sox and backup catcher Tyler Flowers, haven't gotten along real well. And to put it mildly, uh, A.J. did not exactly welcome rookie Tyler Flowers with open arms last year. And basically the quote-unquote expert who was down there, Big Doug, said, well, I really don't care about that, Mr. Caller. You know, they're professionals as long, you know, I don't care if they like each other, you know, as long as they can play together and they act professional and yada, yada, yada. And I'm thinking, really? Doesn't matter at all. If your starting catcher is not willing to even work with the guy behind him, he's so worried about his own job, I would argue that's a character flaw. Big dog, those character flaws over a long season, it's like a cancer and they'll spread. I think you should care about it. Uh, you know what the funny thing is, Coach? I, I, I'm, we're being agreeable again today. You are 100% right. And you know what the funny thing is? Is that guy probably, you know, uh, there's there's examples. What about the A's in the early 70s? They yep. never got along 25 taxis to the ballpark. And they never got along and they won three World Series. Well, that's the one example. 
Every time I have, somebody has an example of teams that didn't get along that one, that's, name another team besides the A's in the early 70s. That's what cracks me up about that example. It's the only one ever, and to be quite honest with you, that's one of the most loaded, talent-ridden teams of all time, and it's like, who couldn't have won the World Series? I, yeah, I'm not surprised that they didn't get along. There were a bunch of idiots on that team. Like Gene Tennis was always starting fights. Was, and nobody liked Reggie Jackson because he had the biggest ego ever. You know, and then like this Burke Campaners was an old-time leader. That, it just cracks me up when I, that's always the example. You can't name another team that didn't get along that won mm. a World Series or, or you won. Probably, you probably can, but but in general, I, and again, I'm just surprised at the prevailing attitude. Uh, not everybody, but it seems like a lot of the fans and a lot of the uh, sports talkers and hosts and stuff are uh, not that worried about personalities. They just, you know, if the guy can help their team win, that's all that matters. Okay, mm-hmm. well, let's think of it this way. Let's think of it this way. How, as a fan, do you think, uh, like, uh, if you're a diehard fan of the 03 Marlins, do you really care less that Avon Rodriguez and the rest of the team was on steroids that year? Like, it's coming out now that, like, the there's a bunch of World Series champions that they're coming out now. Wow, the whole team was nothing but, you know, a bunch of steroid users were on the team. All the, like, all those fans, they can care less. They're still winning the, two, they're still wearing 2003 Marlins, you know, uh, you know, t-shirts. It's, it's such a fine line, coach. It's so funny. No one comes, like, the, uh, John Crook is talking about this. And it's funny, John Crook is talking about this, especially after Lenny Dystra, uh, you know, had the, the horrible car accident killed mm-hmm. somebody in the DUI and all this stuff. And he, John Cook flat out said on the Dan Levitard show the other day that most of the roster was on steroids. He's like, most of the roster, almost everyone. And all of us went out drinking. He's like, I would basically, I would sleep in the clubhouse every night. I would go out drinking, take a cab back to the ballpark, <laughs> coach, and pass out at the ballpark at like 4 a.m. <laughs> and then you there's no joke. And and he's like, I wasn't the only one. I would wake up next to, like, Darren Dalton. Hey, what's up, Darren? At least you're not, at least you're not cheating on your wife this morning. I mean, and then, like, you look back. If you're a Philadelphia Philly fan, do you like that team any less because you find out the whole team was on steroids yes. and a bunch of drunks? Yes. Okay, but but as a Cub fan, looking back, are we are we upset as, as a Cub fan? I'm thinking right now, oh, those 03 Marlins were – we're the ones who beat the Cubs, and we're finding out that like the whole pitching staff was on steroids, a bunch of other stuff. Okay, well, I look back now. I'm like, well, couldn't there have been somebody besides Sosa on our team on steroids? Why didn't our Cubs care enough? Why weren't there more Cubs on steroids? And maybe I wouldn't have to be dressing up as a guy in <laughs> red tights trying to hope that they finally win a World Series. Maybe the Cubs should have cheated a little more. So, well, how do you? Coach, I'm not going to act like I'm better than anybody. Just because I'm a little worried about Brandon Marsh, because I have to admit, if somebody would tell me that the Cubs are going to cheat and it would help them win the World Series, I'd have no problem with it. I None. would. Zero. I would. I know you would, but mm-hmm. I, at this point, I don't care because I figure there's 29 teams in Major League Baseball cheating. Why aren't the Cubs the 30th one? This is the way I look at it. <laughs> How do you know they weren't back in the day? And did John Crook uh, admit to using steroids? No, uh, John Crook, it was so funny. And when he, he said, it, he's like, if I wasn't so fat, I'd have used them too. <laughs> So he and it, and, and it was one of the best interviews I've ever seen. If you can somehow uh, YouTube this, it was phenomenal. Dan Levertard asked John Cook, "When did you know it was time for you to retire?" He's like, "Well, when I was at the White Sox, and I would be on first base, and I would hope that the guy behind me didn't get a hit, so I didn't have to run." And he's like, "I mean that." 
And he's it's, like, right when that happened, he quit the next day. He was like, I was on base yeah. last night, was hoping the guy made an out. I didn't have to run. So yeah, he just told, he told the manager, I'm retiring. That's probably a pretty good sign. But but you're yeah. saying on the Dan Levitard, I won't be able to get that, by the way, because for some reason, David Olson, my computer has blocked out any Dan Levitard information. I don't know what it is. So there must be yeah. a Dan Levitard conspiracy, but I can't get anything on the, my guy Dan Levitard. But are you saying he said he didn't do it, but he said almost all his teammates did? Yeah, they, uh, that's basically what he was saying. Yeah. And I, it, it wasn't like he was throwing them under the bus. Well, like, sounds knows, like it. But, you know, the coach was just beautiful. He's like, everybody knows what I'm going to try to act like. I'm going to lie to you. It was like, he, it was, he's like, everybody knows. Look at the guy. And if you you look at that Philly lineup, Dykstra, hmm, Dykstra, 1986 with the Mets. No. pounds. Couldn't be. 1993 with the Phillies, 215 pounds. Hmm. La- last guy I'd suspect, Lenny Dykstra. Yeah, yeah, what a surprise. He's not a clean living, Mickey Dystra. I'm pretty, I'm, uh, oh, Lenny Dystra, I'm pretty sure Mickey Morandini, the second baseman on no! the team. No! Was not oh. doing steroids, coach. Oh, you're, you're like, killing hey, me here. Hey, Mickey, instead of five home runs, you're going to hit seven. Oh, I'll take the steroids. <laughs> I don't think that happened. Pretty sure that one didn't. But Dave Holland, Darren Dalton, oh, yeah, they were all juicing, coach. And and to be honest, I, I don't – Kurt Schilling was on that team. He was basically saying the whole pitching staff was. So I, he didn't mention Kurt Schilling, so I wonder what he was trying to say. He doesn't not like Kurt Schilling either, so. Uh, whatever. Yeah, but he wasn't calling the team out. <laughs> no. Sounds yeah. like it a little bit. 888-463-6748, dog and the coach. Little uh, March Madness Spectacular coming up. Game start, big dog, in about 15 minutes after our show is over. And course number one, and it's a long day, so don't fill up too soon, but course number one, big dog, Murray State takes on Colorado State. The madness begins, and you will be able to watch basketball tonight right up until 11 o'clock. When UNLV takes on Colorado, your last game on the West Coast. So you've got uh, plenty of TV viewing and four different stations to watch the game, Big Dog. What, based on last year, first time they ever showed all the game, what are some suggestions for the fans out there to um, kind of fight their way through the muck and the mire that is round one and be able to catch some of the top games? Uh, first and foremost, uh, you need to be around people that you truly love and respect and love and respect you so you can tell them to shut up. I'm watching basketball for a minute. <laughs> That's a good suggestion, number you know, one. You know, I think if you don't really like somebody or they don't like you and you make that comment to them, yes. you'll never talk to that person again. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could say that to, like, my brother, and he'll, he'll, he'll get it. He'll, he'll understand. He's not going to, oh, what a jerk. You know, he'll realize what's going on. So that's not, first not a good day for uh, recent acquaintances and small talk. Yeah, you don't want to get to know, so, oh, that's how, oh, yeah. what a lovely picture, your your baby. <laughs> oh, that, that was almost as good as the previous 100 pictures. No, we don't need anything like that going on. <laughs> You need to be around people that you don't need to get to know today. That's, that's definitely one of them. <laughs> Number two is you have to figure out what the battery backup is in your in your remote before it all happens. Yes. That's to be done by 1045. Yep. Okay. Number two, don't watch any pregame because every single bit of analysis that these people have gets thrown out the window as soon as the ball is tipped and all of a sudden people are scoring. All of a sudden, the big dude that everybody was worried about, well, he's not so good because he already has two fouls, and the guard that everybody talks about can't be stopped, well, he was, he's too nervous for the, for the pre, uh, because you're actually in the tournament. So don't watch any pregame coach. All that matters is the actual game. Mm-hmm. Okay. And keep CBS as the number one game on your, on your station, because that's the one that will turn to the good game, if you know what I'm saying, of the four. So they, even though the games are on other stations, are you sure about it? I don't want to give, uh, advice and your first two suggestions, by the way, outstanding, but, 
Are you sure, even though the yeah, other games are being shown live, CBS TV all, still? All four, all four games are going to be live. Right. Okay. But what ends up happening is not everybody has cable. So ah. CBS Channel 2 will still be the, the kingpin. So okay. what I'm saying is when you're doing your quick view and your, your last channel, you have to have CBS Excellent. as the one to you see. You always was, go back to CBS is what I'm saying to you. That was something I was not aware of because so, prior so. to True TVs and all the other stations carrying the game, and I like the change, but prior to that, people would criticize CBS. Oh, you know, we're not seeing the good. I always thought in a difficult situation, four games going on, and only one TV station showing the game, I thought they did a heck of a job of transferring just at the right time to other games, you could catch the highlights. I thought those days were gone, but you're telling me uh, you can still do that via the major network channel too, CBS. Yeah, uh, coach, coach, I, I, I totally agree with you. Another reason why you need to be around people that you can just tell them to shut up every yeah. once in a while is, is this reason, folks. <laughs> I'm a diehard Illinois fan, coach. Honestly, do you, how many Illinois fans do you know bigger than me? Maybe like ten on the whole entire planet. Okay, I know a couple. The guy named Mike McAuliffe is the biggest Illinois fan I know. But anyways, 2005, Illinois is the number one overall seed in the tournament. They're playing Fairfield, if you remember that game. It's a typical 116 game. Illinois is winning like 85 to 50 with two minutes to go in the game. And I'm in a bar watching this, con- like congratulating each other. Oh, they look awesome tonight. This is cool. We're moving on. Let's get number eight. All of a sudden, they changed the game in this bar. Well, of course, CBS changed the game. To a game that is finishing at the end, and I, I literally five or six people start screaming at the top. Oh, what the hell are you, man? What's wrong with CBS? I'm like, dude, they're up by 35 with 100 seconds to go in the game. There's a guy on the foul line right now in a tie ball game, and you'd rather watch the end of the Illinois game. Yeah, that's my team. Remember, your team is not the only one in the tournament, so don't freak out if you miss two minutes of the game because they're putting yep. on. The end of a game that's probably going to be shown in replay for the next 50 years. Mm-hmm. That, that one cracks me up, Coach, when people are so short-sighted that they freak out when their game is pulled away for a minute or two. That, that, that one always stands out to me because here I am, a diehard Illinois fan, and I'm glad they switched the game over to a competitive game at the end of it. So that's another one. Don't They do a really good job at CBS of getting mm-hmm. you to the best moments. So let them do their job. Yeah. I've always said I'm a sports fan first and then a rooter for my particular team second. I mean, I, I have team, you know, the Cub and the Sox and the Bulls, et cetera, et cetera, that I root for, but I'm always a sports fan first. A good yes, game, good matchup, dramatic finishes, that's what you want to see. Now, if it was Northwestern's first win ever and they were up by 35, I could imagine that you'd want to see the celebration at the end of the game. Okay. But still, as a Northwestern fan, mm-hmm. I, you would appreciate, hey, let's, let's put the Murray State-Colorado State game on because, it's a one-point game with a minute to go, and that's, that's electrified. So, yep. uh, yeah, you're, you, you do have a good point. They do a phenomenal job at CBS of getting you to the right game, and I guess that's why they stagger each start time by 15 minutes, don't mm-hmm. they, Coach? Yep, we got uh, 11.15, the first one, 11.40 after that, and you almost always can figure from day one and day two in the mass conglomeration of games that you're going to get some highlights, you're going to get some memories, you're going to get some uh, – Things that will be shown on the one shining moment after Monday night's championship game three weeks from now. So where the drama will unfold, where the last second shot is, where the big upset, we don't know, but it almost always happens. Big dog, that's part of the fun of the first couple of days. Let's go down a real quick. Murray State and Colorado State. Murray State's had a phenomenal season. Uh, one loss, right? 
Yeah, one loss, yeah. and that was uh, to a real, real good uh, East Tennessee State team, which is they're they're pretty good. So. Mm-hmm. Colorado State twenty and eleven, the dreaded at large bid. Uh, and we were kidding a little bit earlier. Murray State when they lost their game, remember we were talking about well that you know they might be on the bubble now for the NCAA's, and we weren't kidding. It was for real for a bit. If they if they would have lost their conference tournament, they could have been twenty seven and two with both of their losses to East Tennessee State, who is a quality ball club, and they would have been they could have been out of the tournament. And if you don't believe me. Ask Washington or Drexel how how tough it was to make the tournament. Yeah, actually, I'm not sure. I, I, even if they would have lost in the first round, I think Murray State would have been in. I would hope so because yeah. like we were talking yesterday of how incredible not just the Ohio whole Ohio Valley Conference, but the Ohio Valley area, everything from Ohio State, Kentucky, Louisville, Murray State. Uh, we, we named a, there was a bunch of there's even more than that. Cincinnati, Xavier, a lot of good teams in that area, coach. Mm-hmm. All right, then uh, following up that eleven forty, and let me know, Big Dog, if any of these teams are your surprise teams, or maybe you got some upsets here. Kansas State and Southern Miss. Kansas State, they can rebound, they can defend, but they do struggle to put the ball in the basket. Jacob Pullet, no longer part of the franchise, but I'm assuming you think K State here. I, I, I'm I'm going to say K State just for the simple fact they play just tenacious defense, and that that should pull them through. But one thing I'm going to guarantee you. Every game that Kansas State plays in this tournament, whether it's one, two, because they're the eight, or, they're the eight seed, so they'd be playing the number one seed after this. It's going to be a barn burner all the way down to the end of the game. No one's, no one's going to blow out Kansas State, Kansas State, and they're not going to blow anybody out. Mm-hmm. If they played Florida State, coach, that might be the first time in the history of basketball there was a shutout in, in a, on a, on a court. <laughs> 12:40 a.m. Louisville, the Cardinals, red hot, fresh off. Winning the Big East Conference Tournament regular season. They showed some minor inconsistencies, but I think we all do a little bit. Uh, they're taking on Davidson, Bob McKillop's troops. This appears to be an easy win for Louisville. Big dog, from your experience, I know you've done some research on this. Teams that get hot and win conference tournaments, do they, how often do they, you know, they peak out and then have a letdown in game one and get upset, or how often do they keep that mo going and maybe make a run through the tournament? Well, uh, let's face it, like, uh, last year is perfect history of, of Connecticut making a run through, uh, one of the great yeah. conferences of all time, which was the 2011 Big East. And, you know, they were able to convert that. And, you know, the funny thing is all the ones that convert success out of a conference tournament, we remember those teams. The teams that lose in the first round of the tournament, we forget about them. Mm-hmm. So they, they're not in our head as much. It's funny, I was like the ones that, like, uh, I remember a Kansas team who a couple years ago won the Big 12 tournament, and they won every single game by, like, you know, and they were like a four seed. And it was one of those things where Kansas was like, wow, this is a really hot Kansas team as a four seed. And then the first round of the tournament, they get knocked out. And right when they got knocked out, people were like, oh, they were tired from playing the conference tournament last week all the way to the championship game. I'm like, well, yesterday you were saying is that's why they were going to win. And now that's the, you know, so, it, so all I can tell you, Coach, is if, to say Florida State, they win their conference, their first game, everyone just say, well, it's because they won their tournament. You know what I mean? And if North Carolina goes to the Final Four, they'll say, well, they were rested. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just cracks me up. So it all depends on what happens this year. So if Louisville loses in the first round, it's going to be because they played too many games in the Big East tournament. <laughs> and if they win, it's going to be because the tournament, their tournament that's, tested. And by the way, Davidson has a 6'10 guy that is unstoppable. So normally Davidson beats you because 
they have a bunch of guys that are small and can really execute and are skilled. Well, they actually have a, a big guy that nobody can stop. Yeah, with a great last name, too. I believe his last name is Cohen. Ooh, really? Right? Isn't that the guy, Jake Cohen? Hey, just to let you know, uh, this, you're going to feel real good about this, but just Sasha Cohen right now is 10th. He's in the top 10 in scoring in the Turkish League, just to let you know. Who, Sasha Baron Cohen? Sasha Cohen from, uh, Sasha Cohen, remember from Kansas? Ah, okay, I remember him. One of the best players in the Turkish League right now. And I'm not making that up, Coach. Well, he was a semi-impact player for Kansas, so I would think... While he wasn't good enough for the NBA, that does not surprise me. I forgot about Sasha. Was it Khan or Cohn? Uh, you're right. It's Sasha Khan. Sasha Khan? Yeah, Sasha Khan. Sasha Khan. By the way, speaking of Sasha Khan, we never got to do our bracket buster. David Olson, we had it all set to go. Maybe we can do it on the show now. But last yeah. night we had a 16-team bracket buster for the most evil dictator of all time. I mean, we had some, I don't even think I have it with me, but some tremendous matchup. The Idi Amin. Hosley Mubarak matchup, the eight nine seeds. Yeah, that one would have been a real that that would have been a battle. Here's the thing, coach. Is you left off the three most evil dictators. Well, you you left off Hitler. I had to. Osama bin Laden. Yep. And Pol Pot. I had okay, to. Pol Pot I, killed seventeen million Cambodians. Well, coach. I know that. I thought those three. What do you think, David? I, I, you put Hitler in there. It's just anytime you mention his name, it's just Pol Pot. Who else did I kill? Osama bin Laden? No. Yeah, you, yeah, Osama bin Laden, Pol Pot, and Hitler. And because, yeah. how could you have a bracket buster <laughs> without the top seed? It's like, that's like having a tournament yeah. without North Carolina, Kansas, and Kentucky. Yeah, you're probably right. I chickened out. And, and let's face it. I mean, um, I mean, Pol Pot's kind of like the UCLA of, of, of college basketball. He had a really, yeah. really good run at one time and really hasn't done anything since. He's kind of been forgotten about. That's mm-hmm. kind of like UCLA. But Hitler's like the North Carolina of killing. Yeah, I mean that guy. That's he did it for a while, and it's it's he hasn't done it in a long time. But still, you look back and you're like, man, that's that's one resume. I still even feel weird talking about that. We did, by the way, have without those three, we did install Saddam Hussein as a one seat, and I had him losing in an upset to Serbia's Slobodan Milosevic. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Slobodan Milosevic. Yeah, I had him, uh, Hussein, getting upset by Milosevic in the second round. By the way, Slobodan Milosevic. Uh, God bless uh, you. That's SOB, definitely. Well, of the mass murderers on the planet, he's one of the snappiest dressers, Coach. That that dude, Milosevic, was a very good dresser, Coach. He wore better, nothing but Italian suits. Better than you know, Hussein? You know, you know, <laughs> people don't realize when Hussein wasn't in the, in those in those beige army fatigues that he had. Yeah. <laughs> when he dressed up, he wore some really nice suits. Also, he normally wore French suits though, because Iraq and France have always had a nice friendship going on mm-hmm. over there. So. <laughs> oh, how do we move from that to game number four in the docket? I'm not sure how we make that transition, but uh, I don't know. From Idi Amin and uh, Slobogan Milosevic to Mike Brusiewicz, how's that for a comparison? Of the Wisconsin Badgers. Let's go to the next game up on the bracket, Big Dog. TNT brings it to you at 110. By the way, the Louisville-Davidson game's on TBS. But Wisconsin taking on the Grizzly of Montana. Wisconsin, one of those teams that could go every which way but loose. You could see them getting upset in round one, but the Badgers battle-tested, got some veteran. They got a great point guard leading them in Jordan Taylor. Uh-huh. Could quietly advance in this tournament, Doug. And, and it's one of those things where they're set up to fail. 
the, that's the 413 that is most likely to have an upset. Let me do all the math behind this one. Uh, first of all, Wisconsin getting a four seed is way too high. Montana getting a 13 seed was too low. So all of a sudden, you it's really not a 413. That's like a 710. You know what I mean, Coach? It's like, wow, these teams are a lot closer than 413. And check this out, Montana. They're the Grizzlies. They're, they play in the mountains, okay? Wisconsin's highest elevated game that they're going to play all season by 10,000 feet is today's ball game. Interesting. So, like, you got... Uh, Albuquerque's in the mountains. People forget that. You don't think New Mexico mountains, but that's where it is. So you got one team that plays every single day in the mountains against another team that hasn't played this high ever. So that's an issue, Coach. We'll see if Wisconsin, because normally you would think, oh, the Big Ten team, they, they'll just grind down the, the Montana Grizzlies, and, and that's how they will have an advantage. That's not the advantage in this mm-hmm. game, Coach. Will Cherry, their top player. He was the Big Sky Player of the Year, so we'll keep an eye on that game. And again, my guy, Mike Bruschewitz. Supposed to say, God bless you. Hopefully oh, the uh, the big redhead will be able to hit some shots outside Wisconsin Badgers. Now, how about next game? This one worries me a little bit if you're a Marquette fan, the Marquette Golden yes. Eagle. Yes. Taking on BYU, big dog. This is a BYU team that came literally out of the grave, out of the basketball coffin, and rose from the dead from down 25 points. If you're Marquette, you can't be thrilled with playing a team that has a second life. No, no, you, 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 without question, you don't want that. And I, I was going to bring up last night, I mean, if you don't mind, I'll try to attach these games. The first three of the first four games all had dramatic comebacks, whether it was a 25-point comeback or, or somebody down, what, 16 or four minutes to go in the game. Yesterday uh, in the fourth game, uh, South Florida was beating California 36-13 to at halftime. Typically, I know this might sound silly, but as a coach, you might be a little worried going into halftime. You didn't have to worry about that because all the coach right. had to do for South Florida was walk in and be like, has anybody noticed the first three games of this tournament so far? 23 means nothing. It's a 0-0 game. If you don't believe me, you'll be going home. Don't celebrate a dang thing. There's a lot of good coaching points. And if you're, if you're Buzz Williams right now, the coach at Marquette, BYU doesn't scare you. But if you're, if you don't, if you're a Marquette player and hasn't realized what BYU has done and the fact that they're playing with free money right now, you had better be ready to play today or you're going to get one off the court. This is the best way for me to tell you, Coach. So really what you're saying is South Florida last night can thank Brigham Young and Iona and Western Kentucky for an assist in hanging out to that lead. But you're exactly right yeah. about that. Yeah, and, and if you're Buzz Williams, you, every, you got the attention of everybody. Because if, if you're Buzz Williams, you're watching that game the other night and you're like, oh, wow, we're going to be taking on Iona. Man, this game is going to be 100 to 100. And I was like, Argh! More importantly, if you're Buzz Williams, where do you go shopping for the dress shirt? Because you got to find a special place that has the short sl- When I say short sleeve, he's got short arms. So the arm length that's short, but the neck size is about 19 and a half big though. That's got to be a hard buy for a Buzz Williams. You know, a lot of people wear IZAD because of the, because of the alligator like tag on it. Yep. Well, don't forget, IZAD is also for people with really short arms. That's oh. why they have the alligator. On I there. never knew that. Are you making that's that up, or is that for real? Uh, I'm totally making that up, but it sounds good to me right now. <laughs> you had me going. Yeah, okay. All right, but I can, you know, the short arm, but then again, Buzz Williams, you know, his neck size is 19 and a half. God forget it a bit as Marquette team gives up a couple baskets without help defense. If you watch his neck, it goes from 19 and a half to about 22. So he's actually got to have a expandable collar. Thank you very That's much. You know, uh, I've had shirts have those too, coach. Huh? 
I thought shirts have those two expandable collars. Ah, okay. I didn't know they made those, but apparently for Buzz Williams they do. At any rate, we move along. We're having fun here. March Madness, it all starts today officially. And uh, let us remind everybody, Big Doe, we do this every year. You know, you got the big build-up to it, all the big build-up, and then basically in 72 hours, it's like a battlefield. It's like a you know natural uh-huh. disaster, like a tsunami, a tornado, not to make fun of it, but that's kind of the, the likening of it. And after three or four days in 72 hours, we come back on Monday in a brief period of time, three-quarters of the teams are done, and we're down to the final 16. So it all happens very quick. Yeah, uh, 52 teams are uh, uh, 52 teams are on the recruiting trail, and some of them are looking for a new coach. Yep. It's, it's like that. Boom. Out Bruce, of nowhere. Bruce so. Weber is available, by the way. Uh, you, you know, isn't it funny? Normally, you know, somebody like a coach at the University of Illinois, they get fired, and immediately they're doing uh, ESPN analysis. Which he will be doing this week, by the way. Oh, they actually they hired him up? Yeah, I forget which one, but Bruce Weber will be doing analysis for one of the organizations. Hopefully his voice has recuperated somewhat. No coach suffers more from coach's voice than Bruce Weber. Yes, and I, I honestly, I'm not just making this up. I think it actually affects him as a coach negatively. Because when you are listening to your coach, and he sounds like this all the time, it's very hard to take him seriously. Because that's what he sounds like, coach. Gentlemen, we got to play strong. Yeah, we got to play hard. tough. we got to play mean. you got to play like men out there. Yeah, the message, as much as you want to not be influenced by the voice you can't help as a human being, be affected by it a little bit. I, I honestly think that. I remember when he was given that horrible pregame speech in North Carolina, and his voice started cracking. Yep. It was it was an embarrassment. It truly was an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What about Big Dog? It could go down as one of the great upsets in NCAA history. You've got Western Kentucky, another team that got a second life. Phenomenal yeah. comeback. 15 points down, five minutes left. They played horrible. Absolutely horrible. But like a high school team, and that's an insult to a high school team, and I think they would be the first to admit it. But they're not a bad basketball team. They're playing Kentucky. Any uh-huh. chance? Get Walk me off the ledge here because somehow I think we could have a miracle in the making here. But please tell me differently. Western Kentucky uh, versus their near neighbors, Kentucky. I don't think the first ever one beating a 16 or 16 beating a one is going to happen with a team with a losing record in Western Kentucky. I mean, that is... You know what? Might as well. If you talk about the first time it ever happens, it yep. might as well be the one that you're just like, I truly didn't see that one coming. Because the idea of Western Kentucky beating Kentucky right now it would be mind-boggling to me, Coach. Yep. I, I, just, I can't imagine that happening. On the other hand, I'm picturing all these little water bug quick guards for Western Kentucky driving to the basket, blocked by Anthony. Anthony Davis could have an absolute field day. Just by staying in the paint. Last time I checked, there's no three-second rule on defense, right, Doug? No, uh, there is not. Coach. Yeah, he could just plant not, his not, rather not. large rear end in the paint and just start swatting all those shots away. Yeah, and the only way they lose is if he's like in serious foul trouble. Yep. You know what I mean? I just if he's back there, I could be a guard, and <laughs> you know, if he's behind me, it makes things a lot easier for the other four guys out of the court mm-hmm. for Kentucky. 
How about the Zags against West Virginia? We're going to run out of time doing all the games. Again, our phone lines are open here. A few minutes left. If you want to check in, if you're catching the March Madness like the big dog and the coach are, give us a call, 888-463-6748. Tomorrow we'll review some of Thursday's game, hopefully some exciting ones today, preview round one on Friday. But big dog Gonzaga in West Virginia, a dead-even matchup in round one. How do you see that game going? Uh, West Virginia didn't deserve a 10. Gonzaga was way too low at a 7. And they sent Gonzaga all the way across the country to play in West Virginia's backyard. Uh, West Virginia is going to beat Gonzaga. They're going to beat Gonzaga, Coach. That's a really tough matchup for the Zags. The Zags always get to get a bad matchup. Every, every year they get, they're seated way too low than they should be, and they always get sent on the other part of the country against a team that is... Seated way too low for mm-hmm. some reason. Every year it happens to the Gonzaga, and again. Well, first of all, West Virginia—they're they're lucky to be in the tournament. Yeah, and yet they're playing in Pittsburgh. It's you're exactly right, Coach. Yep. And they got a ten seed, and they're lucky to be in the tournament. Let me ask you this: That's probably the answer is no, but I'll throw it out there anyway. If Bob Huggins is not the coach, and let's say they brought in an assistant coach, very few people know he's you know trying to make his career first year for uh, you know call him Paul Perry, whatever, whatever. If you got a unnamed assistant coach coach in this team and not Bob Huggins, do they still get in? And I, I already answered my question, no. But I just think somehow the fact that Huggins is the coach adds to the aura of West Virginia. Well, according to all the statements from the NCAA, they would never do anything like that. And it's just a coincidence that you have all these matchups of former teams or coaches of former teams they used to coach at and Things like Vanderbilt playing Harvard in the first round, all coincidence, Coach. Nothing like that ever is thought of by the NCAA. You, so you just saying that has insulted my uh, my love of the NCAA <laughs> and how fair they are over the over the last hundred years, yeah. Coach. So yeah, right. please don't ever insinuate that they would do something backhanded and shady. Yeah, point Not well taken. <laughs> I okay. think you answered the question. Thank you very much, Gonzaga. It's a good coaching matchup, by the way, because. Mark Few, the veteran, against the Bobby Huggins, the vet. So that's uh, one of the better round one matchups, at least on paper, one of the games that appears to be even. So we'll see. Yeah, and uh, Brad Stevens of Butler, fake uh, uh, Mark Few has not left Gonzaga, and he's extremely still a happy man. You might not ever want to leave Butler. Mm-hmm. Sometimes don't, don't, you know, Few could have ran how many times, coach, to a big school, and he's like, I'm really happy here in, with, with the Zags. So. I was just throwing it out there. He is an underappreciated coach, Mark. Yeah, there. well, look at the guy who brought Gonzaga to their first fame, Dan Monson. He took the money and ran and went with the bigger programs, and it didn't work out, didn't work out. Now he got another job. I'm forgetting which West Coast team he coaches now, and he's doing better. But uh, when he left Gonzaga, he had about eight or ten years of nothing but frustration. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. It's like one of those guys that has done the right Sometimes, you know, be happy with the girl you got every once yep. in a while. No question Not about bad. it. No question about it. Speaking of the girls you got, we want to thank all the waitresses last night. They did a phenomenal job. And, again, thank all the folks at the Playbook, uh, some of the fans for coming out. A great time, Big Dog. And you were uh, you were in your true mode, Big Dog. You did an, an outstanding job, my friend. I give you an A-. minus. Uh, I, I will admit that I'm sorry I disappeared at halftime. That's when you needed me the most. But it was extremely difficult yep. to get Lily, uh, a goodbye. I was worried you were going to ask me why, but you know, I got to give you the minus one. You went to the parking lot at halftime, and let's just say it was an extended period of absence. We'll leave it at that. 
and then B, uh, you know, rookie mistake with the late spillage of the beer. But outside of those well, two the, things, you were uh, you were fine. That come on, that that spill of the beer had everything to do with somebody putting down a clipboard on the table in front of the beer, and I barely touched the clipboard. The clipboard <laughs> took the beer out. So don't act like I was spilling beer and acting a fool. Oh so, goodness! And somehow I did not destroy the the microphone. The the beer splashed, hit everything on the table besides the microphone I had just put down next yep. to it. Yeah, we should also, by the way, throw out David. It was great. The uh, the, the DJ behind us, Ben, uh, who was actually better known as Bounce, but Bounce the DJ was a beautiful thing because Bounce had no idea that we were doing our show that night. So Bounce at first, I think, Big Dog, and to our credit, we won him over. But yeah. you know, at first it's like, well, you know, who the hell are these chumps? They didn't even know about us, but you know, in our normal warm and fuzzy style, we're able to win, bounce over. And by the end of the night. He was on our team, and he was mad at the management of the playbook. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, that's that, yeah. that's kind of what happened. That pretty much sums it up, Coach. Yeah, but I love I Bounce. Bounce the DJ. Available for weddings, by the way, as are we. We need to do a two guys and a mic. Remember, we were going to do that at one point, a business venture, where we were going to uh, go to weddings. Not necessarily be DJs, but we'd go around and interview people, and people could make their well, statements we, to the uh, you know the wedding couple and, and, and put together a little video montage. It's very simple. We would meet just say uh, like on a Tuesday before the wedding. Mm-hmm. All all the, all the couple has to do is bring in pictures of their family and tell me a tidbit about every single member of the family. So when we're emceeing the emceeing something and you tell me that Uncle Chuck is a little bit loud. Oh, and by the way, here's some inside information on Uncle Chuck. When we're at the wedding doing the wedding, when Uncle Chuck pipes up, I'll tell that inside joke and bust up the whole entire family, and Uncle Chuck will <laughs> shut up. I'm good at that, Coach. Just give me a picture and a tidbit yeah. about somebody. It'll it'll be like easy recognition. So the wedding will be great. The family will all be happy. Then when they watch the video together a week later, they'll probably break up the entire family. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully they'll do that after they've already paid us the bill for that video. Well, all right. Please. Dog, we'll go at it again tomorrow. Enjoy the games today. Rest up now. There's a lot of watching. Don't peek too early, my friend. Stay loose. Uh, Stretch out. Not too many Coronas, please. Uh, well, there won't be Corona today. There'll be a, a guy called Jameson. <laughs> you can really drink after a night. Let's see. I got I, I need like four days to recuperate from last night. Oh, that was nothing last night. It was only beer. You're like I didn't start with the Jack Daniels. Coach. Yeah, I'm not used to it. I was uh, waking up this morning reading the newspaper. Uh, I can't recollect too many things I read, quite frankly. That's not good, Coach. It wasn't bad. Most of the stuff I recollect is bad news anyways. All right, dog, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day, okay? Gonna watch some basketball. Beautiful. Thanks for listening, everybody. We much, much appreciate it. Two guys in a mic. TalkZone.com. Producer extraordinaire David Olson. Great job. We'll see you tomorrow at 10 o'clock recapping some of the March Madness we're about to watch.